Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awakening uh, Universal Minds. My name is Brother Beniti, a.k.a. Brother Michael. i got Brother Ravana Noon with us. Apologize for running a uh, few minutes late here. I'll take care of some stuff. I have a little difficulties, but we're here. Uh, we connected. Uh, we are on the air, so appreciate everybody being patient with us. Um, so... What we like to do, as usual, uh, as we do in the beginning of every show, is to just, if, and again, this is more so if you're a new uh, new listener tuning in for the first time, um, just to be clear on what the show is about, it is an occult, uh, you know, metaphysical, alchemy, left-hand path, uh, origin of ancient Egypt, left-hand path uh, show. These are the things we discuss, the topics we talk about. It is not a religious show. Um, just want to be crystal clear on that if this is your first time here. Um, what we also like to do is just give a brief introduction of ourselves, and then we will uh, get into tonight's topic. So, Brother Ravana, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. All right. Um, this is Brother Ravana Noon. Uh, once again, on Awakening Universal Mind Show. As uh, Brother Benedi was sharing, this is a left-hand path show, uh, simply which means it's a path of overcoming your obstacles, self-deification, and self-mastery. This show is not a show for fluffiness, light-siderness, peace, love, and grease, and all that crap. This show is going to confront issues, bring up discussions and situations that may ruffle your feathers. But in today's climate and environment, it is time, far time, to confront our issues, problems, uh, trauma, whatever else is necessary to overcome, to become a greater you. Left-hand path is about challenging yourself, and we take it back to the ancient Egyptian origin of the left-hand path. Um, and this this is the focus of the show. Tonight, this sorcery, you'll see how this all ties into the left-hand path. The left-hand path is a path. Within the left-hand path, you have many different aspects, from black magic um, to vampire magic to many different paths, many different facets or aspects, but they're all falling under the left-hand path. So if you came here to um, hear some things to massage your ego, make you feel great, this is the wrong show, wrong place, wrong time. Uh... This show is an open forum, so if you have a question, put it in the chat room. But more importantly, call in so we can discuss things face-to-face, well, phone-to-phone, and hear your perspective on things, not just ours, all the time. We personally do not care if you agree or disagree. That's your perspective, your choice, and we don't care about your opinion. That doesn't mean we won't listen to you, we won't discuss things, but don't come on here trying to convince 
and act like you know shit and you possibly don't know stuff. Uh, myself, Brother Beniti, we've walked many different paths from Islam, Christianity, Judaism, to uh, Shrindom, Freemasonry, to Sufi, to uh, Yoruba, Lukumi, Santeria, Palo, to uh, many different magical paths presently walking and still continuing from OTO to uh, different uh, avenues in that way, as well as uh, dealing with Rosicrucianism and things of that nature. Peace. All right. Appreciate that, brother. Uh, again, just kind of going to briefly piggyback same same thing. Uh, what, my, what my brother basically said is, uh, again, a lot of those different groups, uh, eternal orders, et cetera, were mentioned, again, not because, as we say, week in and week out, that it's mandatory to become members of any of those groups or organizations. But if you're going to teach from an experience perspective, uh, then we suggest you do join some of those organizations because, unfortunately, we've got a lot of melanated people teaching on those subjects and have no experience whatsoever. They've never set foot in a lodge, never taken any initiations, et cetera. So that's why that is said. Uh, nine, uh, all the stuff that we do talk about, again, is coming from an experience perspective, not from the perspective of just reading something. Um, and, again, that's the reason why the aforementioned path that we, we have walked gone through and experienced for that specific reason. Uh, so just kind of, you know, briefly again, just going to double up what my brother said and, and keep that short and, and simple, which leads us to tonight's show. All right. So we chose to go back, well, not go back in the sense that it's going to be the same as, as we did previously uh, sometime last year, Got a lot of emails about, you know, over the last couple months, people asking when are we going to, you know, in, indulge a bit deeper into the, you know, the Sith principles, uh, what the Sith is, um, when we're going to revisit that. We got a lot of feedback on it. People asked when the next show going to be on that. We told them we, we would get back to it. You know, we had a list of other things you know, topics, et cetera, to get through. So we figured uh, this would be a good time to take it a step further. Now, if you missed um, the first series, I believe we did a two or three part series. I can't remember. It's in the archives, but you can go in the archives when we got into um, the origin of Siths, what, what it really represents, the concept. Is, is it mythology? Is it real? Um, so we'll revisit that briefly in a few minutes. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of get, we'll get into that. So what we're going to kind of um, focus on, though, um, as we've been discussing the last several weeks, that there is a difference between, you know, uh, working magic, because there's different levels and aspects of it. There's magic, you have sorcery, you have wizardry. Um, what do they represent? What do they stand for? What do they mean? How are they work? What's the operating systems of it? Um, we're going to kind of uh, show you how, as we did briefly on the, on the last series we did, its origin with a lot of these so-called uh, darker magical aspects and, and different orders that are very similar to the Sith concept um, when, when you see what it represents. Um, I know last time we focused a lot on uh, Sith alchemy, um, so now we're going to use that mental alchemy aspect of it and take it a step further. Um, this path, and it, this, this path can be a little bit more aggressive 
Um, some people might consider it, you know, insensitive because it really teaches you to tap in to manifest the potential of your desires. Now, when I say desires, I want people to get out of their mind, not just sexual desires, because unfortunately when we hear that word desire, that's usually where the mind wanders. We're talking about desires in general on all levels, uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. It teaches one how to impose their will. Um, The term you'll see used a lot, as we talked about on last time, bending the force or bending the uh, force to, you know, or adjusting it, you know, to, to suit what they're trying to get accomplished, you know, tilt or bend the force into the favor of the individual. Um, there's a lot of higher spiritual science, a lot of mental alchemy to a lot of these principles. Um, when one really understands them, it's, it's really, you know, instilling in, in, inside the mind of the individual that, again, the greatest deity or the, or the greatest God that they're looking for is, is actually themselves. Um, it really teaches you to tap into the potential. So what we will do before we begin, um, let's kind of let's real briefly, you know, we don't have to stay on it too long, but this concept, because I know some people, maybe, maybe uh, newer listeners, hear the concept of the Sith, and, and, and obviously people are going to go right to the Star Wars trilogy, the Star Wars movies, um, so let's kind of briefly, you know, we can briefly get into the history of it, the George Lucas thing briefly, where the concept came from, and then let's kind of differentiate between the fiction and the reality of what Sith is. So let's talk about that for a little bit. All right. Well, first of all, um, many people may be familiar with the Sith concept originating in the Star Wars saga, all the Star Wars movies. Sith concept was introduced within there. The Sith were the uh, antithesis or the rivals to the Jedi. The Sith represented the dark side or the dark energy of the Force, and the Jedi represented the light side or light energy of the Force. Um, The Sith, according to the Star Wars saga mythology, originated as dark Jedi. They began as an offshoot of the Jedi who opposed the fluffiness and light side of ways of the Jedi. So what occurred is um, this dark Jedi split off from the Jedi and they basically were exiled and went into deep space and ended up in a planet that was strong and rich in the dark side of the force. The natural inhabitants of this planet were the Sith, who were redded, red, uh, red-skinned uh, individuals um, who were the natural-born natural citizens or natural-born uh, species to that planet. The Jedi noticed how the Sith had powerful energy and force working with the dark side, and the Jedi had the teachings from the Jedi, and they brought it to the Sith to empower these Sith with working with the dark side energy, dark side force, and mastering it, and mastering themselves. When they taught them that, the two different species mixed together, two different races mixed together to create what became known as the Sith, which was different groups of people from different areas, but all embodying the philosophy of the Sith. 
Now, that's the Star Wars trilogy saga perspective. But if anybody can open their minds and connect the dots, they would understand. First of all, um, the word Sith is very similar to the word Seth, S-E-T-H. Seth is connected to Set or Sut or Satech of ancient Kemet or Egypt. And when you look at the actual mythology of the Sith and you compare it to the uh, stories of Set or Satech, they parallel in many different ways. That's correct. The Sith believed in the isolated consciousness. They believe in self-mastery and mastering the power and energy of the Force to manifest their will and empower themselves to be greater than they were yesterday. And they would do anything and everything to obtain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to secure their power and enhance it. This is very similar to the uh, story of Set or Satuch, who became known as the Isolated One or the God of Night, of the Night, or the Desert Storms and Chaos. And Satuch is known to have embodied or absorbed all the energies of the gods, or the Neturu or Neturu or whatever makes you feel happy or spirit in the night, however you want to pronounce it, so be it. Basically, he absorbed all their energy, all their attributes, and thus, in the coming forth by their Book of the Dead, he became known as the greatest of the gods. Uh And they both use the color red. Red is a power color in the occult world, specifically to uh, Set and to Sith. It represented the passion, the power, the lust, the strength on how to utilize these uh, forces to increase your own power and to master yourself. It right. wasn't about running or hiding. It wasn't about we all won, let's sing Kumbaya and skip down the street together. It was about mastering the self. And mm-hmm. it was by any means necessary that was done. And right. so when you look at that, this goes right into the left-hand perspective of being the God over self, overcoming yourself to empower yourself and to utilizing your strengths and your weaknesses to bring forth a greater you. And that is taking your weaknesses, which has been interpreted by modern-day society, religions, or everybody else, passion, lust, strength, and how to, I mean, uh, lust and things of that nature, and how to really embody that and increase that capacity within yourself to make it something stronger, not something negative as been portrayed by religions and the media and everybody else. People see these things and it becomes scary or dangerous to them because no one has ever taught you how to harness that energy and power and utilize it for your growth, for your desires and your wishes to come forth, they've never showed you these things. So, of course, people can sometimes take that energy and um, foul play comes out of it. 
So when you right. look at the stories and the perspectives, they vary. They marry up very closely and very similar. Now, just because it's a mythological story created by Luke, George Lucas and Star Wars, you have to understand George Lucas, um, being in California, dealt with many of the occult groups in that time frame in the 60s and 70s in California. So he has yep. knowledge of a lot of these things, and he understands it in a way that he was able to portray it on screen. So he created what seems like mythological concepts, but in reality he's creating mythological concepts based on ancient traditions. And how do right. I know that? Because one of the main people that George Lucas studied from was Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell was um, a master of studying all ancient mythological stories across the globe and the stories behind and the meanings behind these myths. And one of his main teachers was Joseph Campbell. So he understands yep. understood a lot of these things, and he studied the ancient traditions as well. So That's when right. we come forth about the Sith perspective, understand the Sith, and if you understand chaos magic, you can take anything and make it into a reality in your world today. So the Sith, like the Seth or Setians or Seth, are able to manifest what seems mythological, but bring it forth into a reality, into everyday yep. existence. Yep. So, uh, excellent point. Um, and, and again, that's a, that's an, that's important because, uh, and I'm glad uh, you're breaking it down like that because we want to again you know, differentiate and separate and be able to be decisive between the fictitious aspect of it and, like you say, interwoven in a lot of these concepts is a lot of factual stuff. Um, even though we know this, the, you know, the, uh, most people are familiar with the origin of it through those movies, um, we want to be crystal clear. We're not, we're not coming from a Hollywood perspective. We're not, we're not just focusing on the fictitious aspect of it. Um, we're focusing literally when you watch these, you know, movies and, it, and it's funny because I don't know that term is funny, but, uh, I watched, yeah, I watched all this character, but let's talk about this real quick. And then what we'll do is, um, there, there was a document, um, that we were discussing this week, a document that you sent over today. We're, we're going to, we're going to focus on five, uh, keys of Sith stars. We will, we'll take our time and go through one at a time and build on them. But before we do that. What I, what I want to discuss is when you look at all of these movies, and we talk about this a lot, and, and we have a lot of conversations about this, in all of these uh, movies where you have, it's always the same depiction, whether it's Darth Vader. Um, um, when you look in uh, a recent movie I was just talking with Brother Ravana Noon about that I hadn't got a chance to see when it was out in the movies, and there's a connection with what we're talking about tonight, uh, X-Men's Apocalypse, Apocalypto, when you look at that character. Um, even when you go to the Star Wars trilogy and the character of Darth Vader, you look at this character, Apocalypto, et cetera. I mean, there's many other movies we can pull this villainous character in all black. We, we, we all, as we've said in the past, to some point, always sympathize with the villain because the villain was actually always telling the truth. Now, when you watch this movie, X-Men, and, and this character, Apocalypto, in the very beginning of the introduction of the movie, uh, they pass a multitude of sigils and symbols across across that screen in a matter of seconds when you're watching this movie. 
Um, you see every major philosophy, dogma, culture, religion, um, and it's kind of basically telling you a, a long historical story in a matter of seconds. See, th this is the power of imagery, symbols, and these concepts that we're talking about. Okay, then when you briefly, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but just to briefly, because I'm kind of, kind of, I want to connect this to what we're going to get ready to talk about. Um, and when you look at the character, basically the other key to pay attention to, this takes place, as you know, those who have followed the X-Men trilogy um, know that this takes you back step by step. Each movie, it goes further back into the origin of it. Well, it takes you during the time of the 80s, uh, during the Reagan era. And that's important to understand why they took you back to that particular time when you're watching this movie. Okay, it shows you how when one of the most powerful scenes of the movie is when they show this character, Apocalypto, looking at the news, and he's seeing how humans have destroyed the planet, you know, with their greed, with their lust for the wrong reasons. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because to show you what real Sith concepts really represent, um, he says, look, these, you know, he, they, they show clips of wars and corrupt politicians, et cetera. He said they're all, you know, it's all an illusion. They're all false leaders, et cetera, et cetera. The reality of it is, long story short, then you have the, the X-Men who are really the light siders, the fluffinators, and they're trying to keep this, this delusional, fictitious reality alive as if they're fighting for some great freedom and democracy and unification when everything really you pay attention to what this character is saying in the movie Apocalypto is true. Uh, as usual, you know, they always paint the picture they're telling you, they're dropping truths on you at the same time, they're twisting the story around. Then, before this character is destroyed, he, he, he makes the statement, all is revealed. And then, that's it. The character, you know, kind of dissipates or, or dies or explodes or whatever. I bring that up because you can compare that to, to tracing it back to the Sith from the, from the character Darth Vader on back to, to the recent trilogies where in that whole movie, the Sith's they were telling the truth. You had the Jedis who were basically creating this illusion that they're fighting for this concept of democracy and freedom. Oh, and by the way, sorry, sorry to all the people that are licking their wounds to the, to the Hillary Clinton law. Some funny ass shit. I've never seen a bunch of ignorant ass baboons crying in tears, screaming, raising. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that because there were, <laughs> were some Sith sorcery worked in that election. That's a whole other story. But um, you got a bunch of coons and baboons, you know, in the last two days, you know, in a state of uproar and shock. And, you know, everything, here we are now, now gives them another avenue and venue to play the role of the victim now. So now you have everybody coming out of the woodworks, racism, this and that, and blah, 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 and, and Donald Trump, and, oh, how can this happen? And, uh, well, guess what? It fucking happened. Okay? And now the question I ask each and every individual Stop bitching and complaining about it, what you're going to do about it. Because you can take it to the streets, you can burn shit down, throw shit through windows. I keep telling y'all, I ain't going to do shit. Until y'all start to really learn. People, I got a million emails about this. I laugh. I said, this shit don't have nothing to do with what I'm trying to do. This shit is irrelevant. Yep. See, people that, people that are sucked in and emotionally involved, the ones that are screaming, hooting and holler, or travesty, oh my God, how can it happen? You motherfuckers are weak and pathetic. And as we've said, going back to shows well over last year when we first came on there, we always said you're either part of the experiment or you're controlling it. So all you Negroes complaining, crying about this shit, guess, guess what? You've now confirmed your prey, 
you now confirm you are the ones being devoured, and you've now confirmed you're part of the experiment. Okay. So, hey, pack your bags, move to Canada. I hope some of these motherfuckers that say they're going to move to Canada, move to Canada. You know, do what you got to do, but you're not looking at the bigger picture of this. We'll, we'll, we'll build a little bit on that. That's, that's, that's a whole nother topic and story in itself. But I, I, I'm, I'm just laughing my ass off watching all this garbage on fucking YouTube. It's fucking hilarious, man. Yep. Uh, but anyway, that's another story. So this, this whole concept, as I said, they always paint, and we can reflect back on watching this trilogy, watching this story, and watching a lot of movies that always have this villainous character, right? And it, what it does is they do this intentionally because what it does is it, it feeds off a certain aspect of your emotions and your natures. At one time, they're portraying the character as being this, you know, manipulative, uh, you know, evil monster. But at the same token, for whatever reason, you feel some compassion and some sympathy and you kind of resonate and kind of can vibe with what this character is doing and what it stands for, okay? Now, before we get into these five keys, which leads us now to where we're going to go to these, some of these five keys we want to go over, um, Ravana Noon had mentioned, you know, passion, you know, you know, desires, motivation. See, a lot of those things in terms uh, are always portrayed as being self-centered and greedy and all. That's not, when you really get to the essence of it, that's not what it's talking about. We're taught that those things represent that. We're taught don't, don't feel like that, don't express like that. But bottom line is this, at the end of the day, we know the number one law in this universe that we live in, of many universes, is self-preservation. Don't bullshit yourself. Because when it really comes down to it, when, when the shit really hits the fan, that's how you're going you're gonna to react on any level when, it comes, when shit gets serious and, and shit is serious now. So we, told, we chose to, to kind of dig a little deeper into this topic than we did the first time because of everything that's going on in the country, how people are so fucking emotional and controlled by their emotions, how people are so damn reactive and not proactive. And this is, this is key because, like we said, look, one mentality of understanding how the Sith principles is work, you can't have fucking you be caught up in your emotions because Sith mindset doesn't give two shits about your personal shit. Uh, and what I mean by your personal shit is what you like and you don't like. You're going to have to work that shit out on your own. See, when you deal with somebody that has a solid mindset or is coming from a Sith perspective, they're not, they don't feel that sympathy that you're looking for. They don't feel like, here, sit on my lap and let me, let me, let me pat your shoulder and, and fucking hug and cuddle you to make you feel better. See, that's the problem with some Negroes today. They're little bitches because all they want to do is they, yeah, I, I don't like this and I don't like that. And, and I don't really agree with what you said. That, that's some personal shit. Nobody gives a fuck. Because there's a lot of shit we don't like, but we're not going to sit here and spend time sulking and bitching and complaining because you're always, guess what? Reality is you're always going to love some stuff and you're always going to dislike some stuff. That's just fucking reality. So when you focus on that, just, just trivial aspects of that, you're wasting your goddamn time. That's not what this is about anymore. Um, so I think having said that, it gives you a good oversight of what we're trying to get at and what we're kind of going to be going through. Um, again, it's not for weak-minded individuals. For some of it, to somebody that's religious or fluffy or light-sider-ish, they're going to think it's a little bit, you know, aggressive and, and, and no compassion for it. 
uh, that's confirmation that it's not for you, if that's how you react to some of this information. Um, you know, stay into that, you know, safe stuff. And, and, and again, that's what we tend to do. Um, as we've said a, a multitude of times before, a lot of melanated people leave different religions and philosophies and dogmas, and they say, I'm awake now because I've read a few fucking books on Egypt. You can't tell me shit. I know everything. I'm a god, right? And then they're still walking around using terms like the most high, and that fucking kills me. I, I laugh my ass off when I hear that shit. I'm like, you're a god. You're a goddess, but you still shows me subliminally the suppression on the subconscious mind of a religious dogma when you're using the term the most high. I have one ignorant, I got, I got to throw this in here, because I have one ignorant-ass concept with, with some black Hebrew Israelite, which I thought was funny as fuck. And this Negro is sitting there telling me, uh, uh, when the concept when he's saying the most high in Yahweh, you know, oh, we don't, we don't worship, it's not, we're, not, we're not referring to an external being you know, we, you know, so I said, well, what is God? Well, God, it's, 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 it's a, a consciousness. I said, okay. And where does that consciousness reside? And he paused, and he was thinking hard. Couldn't give me a straight answer. I said, where does that consciousness reside? Is it outside of yourself, or is it within yourself? Because when I read your stupid-ass Bible, I see a multitude of scriptures and passages and incidences where you are physically and externally venerating and worshiping something outside of yourself. Yeah, you can't. I can pull a million scriptures. We could be here all fucking night. So don't sit there and tell me that those people didn't look at it as an external aspect and they didn't worship it externally. That's not what a deity or a god does. That's not what somebody who taps into the isolated consciousness of the set or Scythian mindset. Okay, we don't accept the reality of anything outside of ourselves as being deity. So you want to sit there and throw some terminology, oh, well, God is consciousness. And when I simply ask a simple question, and where is the origin and where does that consciousness lie, and you can't even admit to yourself and say within yourself, where is it in fucking heaven? And you can't even explain to me the basic concept of that, you sound foolish. And basically it just it shows that you sound ignorant and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So if you think this is about Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, Anu, that's all fucking religion, you're a mental slave and you'll constantly be controlled by all that. And it don't matter if you paint black faces on the shit. So you can sit there and say, no, I don't worship the same concept that the white man does. So what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about uh, your, uh, Allah or, or Yahweh, Yahweh Shai, I'm, I'm saying, no, he's a black guy. It's still the same bullshit. All you do is paint some black fucking imagery on it. You're still a mental slave, and you're still worshiping things outside of yourself. That's not what this is about. That's right. I, so let's do this, Brother Ravano. We'll go one by one. We'll just read uh, one key to document um, that you had sent over and that we were talking about over the last week, uh, some key notes um, that, that was put together. We'll go through each one, just one at a time, and we'll, we'll start here. Uh, and then we'll we'll kind of go uh, a, a little bit deeper. Uh, the first key, desire. Let's let's, let's we'll, we'll read this one brief. Um, this is the origin right here. Okay, this one right here. <laughs> this one right here. Look, bottom line is everybody gets up out of the bed. You understand? And sets foot outside every day. I would I would hope. And if you don't, you really need to check yourself to better yourself. All right? That's what you do. That's why you get up. That's why you try to make money. 
That's why you try to do what you do. You understand? This is why you try to, this should be a motivating force, right? The question is now, what's the focal intent or what is the focal intent of your desire? So it's not just saying, I want this, I want that. The intent that fuels it. Let's talk about that. So let's read. Without desire, your ritual will surely fail. You must have a true need to see the change you wish to affect. Desire is the motivation behind your working, okay? It must be felt deeply and to the extent that if your need goes unfulfilled, it will cause you pain. Cloak yourself in your desire as you pull toward yourself the power of the dark side. Let your yearning shake you, ache and agony, and only when you cannot bear the craving for the change you intend, release it into the cosmos in orgasmic delight, knowing you have wrought your will. So let's talk about this for a little bit. Why don't we build on this real quick? Desire. Desire, desire, desire. Uh, as Brother Benini said, we all have them. And myself, I've, I've uh, said many times as well to people I know on the show, we all have desires. The, the, the key to this is that you can't deny your desires. <clears throat> the problem is when we breach this topic, your religious, people's religious ears go up immediately. I don't care how cultish you are, how uh, magical you are, you automatically go into a Puritan religious mindset that, ooh, talking about my desires is taboo. Well, the left-hand path, we challenge ourselves, and we confront those taboos. And one thing you have to understand is desire is essential, essential for your survival and growth. What do I mean by that? Well, see, I say desire, and probably 90% of y'all listening to the show reflected on some sexual shit. And don't lie, most of y'all did. However, your desire could be as simple as obtaining a, let's say, if you work, obtaining a, a raise in your job. You may not equate that with a desire, but it is a desire because you think about it, you talk about it, you wish for it. You desire that raise for whatever means in your life you desire that. When you don't give life to that desire, when you don't embrace that desire, when you don't go fully into that desire, what happens is you start to become um, a lazy individual, for one, for two, you start to easily become a slave because now um, anybody can manipulate you any which way because they see that you don't have the essence or the willpower to manifest your desire, so they're going to do it for you to control you. You have to understand your desires are essential. And in this play on words, uh, the in, we must... Go so deep into your desire that when you finally manifest it, it's like you're giving an orgasm to the cosmos. You are fully embellishing in the moment and freeing and releasing all that which you worked hard for to manifest uh -huh. in an orgasmic release. 
Uh-huh. This is how intense your desire should be, that if you don't manifest your desire, you feel anger, you feel frustration, you feel pain, because it is so essential for you to manifest that this desire that if you don't, you are in inner chaos or turmoil. Yeah, let's back up real quick. I'm it sorry, Ivana, no back up. It is a power. It is a strength behind that desire that pushes it forward into manifesting. But let's back up for one second. Back up for one second because I want to. I want to back up what you, what you were just saying, and, and tapping into what section we just read. If again, if your need goes unfulfilled, it will cause you pain. All right, now let's 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 focus on this for a brief second. The reason why I want to focus on this because we, as we talked about a multitude of time over the last year and some change on this show, we've always said when you when you don't address some of these things that impact the subconscious mind, when you don't address your, in this case we're just using the term desires. It's basically the same thing. Don't address every aspect of yourself. And a lot of people will cover this up by, again, getting extreme in some philosophy. You know, they want to become super Buddhist because they're not, they're, they're trying to avoid addressing their issues or desires in this case, which is part of those issues. So they think by being a, uh, you know, a strict Buddhist and shit and hiding in that, that's going to mask and cover the problem. Let's talk a little bit about how this pain builds up. We've called it trauma over the last year and some change how it can suppress the subconscious mind and impact it, and how it can stunt your spiritual growth. Let's talk a little bit about that real quick. Well, let's begin by saying what you resist will persist. In essence, what does this quote that many of you all have heard before really mean? Well, what this essentially means is that when you resist something, something you really desire or want or need in your life that you feel you need. It doesn't mean that you necessarily need it. It feels that you feel you need it. It's something that you want really bad. And every day you see this which you want really bad, but you do nothing about it. You ignore it. You you do mantras. You meditate. You levitate. You do uh, pranayama, your breathing exercises. And you think all oh, this shit is just going to be released and escape you and you're going to be holy and roly tomorrow. Mm, and no. All you basically essentially did was push it deeper down into your subconscious mind. Deeper down, so deep that you think you got it. You think you got it nailed. You know, you got it locked up. You got it, you got it right now. Then, uh, along comes an, a situation where you encounter this desire, and that which you thought was gone comes out even stronger now because it's right in front of you, and it's like, do or die, let me do this or not, okay? What happens is that if you don't partake in that moment, you're going to experience a lot of frustration, uh, a lot of which will turn into pain, and you'll feel that pain a lot in your chest, that that pain will be uh, centered around your chest area all the way to your back, to your shoulder area. 
some some of y'all may understand and know this because you're experiencing it right now as we're talking. How do I know? Because I can sense that a lot of people are still holding on to things and they won't do nothing about it. So, essentially, this starts to be fed from within unconsciously. And you're not realizing you're feeding it because you're doing everything to try to defeat it, but you don't. Why? Because you are here on this planet. You're living now, and you're here for a major thing that many of y'all are avoiding, experiencing life. You're here to experience every facet of life that you are walking in. But because you've been fed religion, you've been fed right-hand path mentality, which is merging or submitting to something outside yourself, you essentially run from you and become somebody you're not. And so you push these things down further and further. Temptation comes, and it comes, buddy. It doesn't come from the outside. You created the temptation. You're just not realizing it because mm-hmm. it's actually being fed from within you, and it's heightened within you, but you're so distracted by all these so-called spiritual things you're doing, and it increases and manifests that which is already there. So, now, let me add this, Brother Ravana Noon, on that note. This is why we've always said, based on what you're saying now, and I'm glad, I'm glad we're tapping in um, to, to this aspect of it. That's why we've said, when we, when we say and when we use the term to always proceed with caution, the difference between this path and, and, and any other path, and when I say this path, I'm talking about uh, the origin of uh, the ancient origin or the Egyptian origin of the ancient left-hand path that we're talking about here. Um, this is why we say one must proceed with caution because by doing these things we're discussing right here, this aspect of, of addressing these core issues um, in a nutshell, if that's what we want to call it, to sum it up, because it embodies a lot of these things that we're building on right now. Um, this is key because this is what we mean when we say this path brings about abrupt change. I mean, change on, on a level that's so phenomenal, but what people tend to confuse with it, as we said a million times, they, they think they have mapped out what, what need that change is. And that's where the confusion comes in because they tend to come into this path and, again, haven't identified what it actually is they're desiring or seeking out. So they tend to go to the mundane shit. They tend to just focus on just greedy aspects of it, but don't know where to focus that energy of greed because greed can be a productive thing if you know how to focal point that energy. But they'll use it for for the most mundane shit. So this is what we mean when we say work and spiritual magic can be dangerous, not in a spooky sense. We're not saying it in that aspect of it. We're saying because some people go through such drastic change, they don't realize sometimes how heavy and impactful that change is, and they're not prepared for it, and it turns their life upside down. It turns, they think they thought they were at the perfect job or career situation. They thought they had the perfect family life or relationship life. They thought they were living up until this point a life that more so that they, can, they created the illusion was good for them, but sometimes this can completely turn your life, I say, a, a total 360 because it, it, it makes that awareness clear to you. This is really where you're at, okay? This is what you thought you needed, but now that you've opened these portholes and gateways of consciousness, this is what you really need. 
So now are you able to be receptive? Because I wanted to focus on that part because, remember, it said here in that key we read, if your need, not what you want. This is why I said that, and I wanted to back up. If your need goes unfulfilled, meaning if you just disregard your need and go to your want, that's what this is saying here. It will cause you serious pain. So what tends to happen on this path, people bypass the need, and they go straight to the one. But I wanted to I just wanted to focus on that for a quick minute. We can we can go ahead and finish building on that key. Uh, right. but that's important. Important to grasp. Exactly. Um and essentially if you as an individual do not focus on what your true desire is, not a want, what it is that you need. Only you yourself can really determine that if you really do the work on it. You'll determine what you really need. Now, once that's done, and you have to do everything possible, it may seem strange to y'all. We said we warned y'all. You have to do everything possible to engage in that which you need. Now, why is that? Well, let me tell you this. If you never had a slice of pizza, Good old New York slice of pizza. Not this bullshit down here. Right? Good old New York slice of pizza. And somebody tells you about that. And it sounds so delicious. And it starts to play or wreak havoc in your subconscious mind. Man, I need that pizza. Man, I want that pizza. Man, that brother or that sister made that shit sound so good. But you never had it. See, your mind is going to start saying, I want that more and more because you're missing out on an experience to understand what is so good about that pizza. So when you play the game of, I don't want to partake in that, I'm stronger than this, I have so much willpower, yeah, yeah, great, lovely. But that pizza, the thought of that pizza is never going away. And then all of a sudden, your ass go around sneaking to go get some pizza, okay? Because you can't be honest with yourself. So you're going to do the shit behind everybody's back and try to say, oh, shit, I'm just getting this pizza and, and nobody need to know. Well, see, that's the problem. The real deal is you have to confront the idea within your head first and foremost of what really that desire is. And then you have to partake in it to understand it to understand what is the experience all about. Once you understand that experience, then you have the power, the mastery, and the will to bring it under your control where you're no longer uh, at the mercy of your desire, but the desire is at the mercy of your will. I hope you all understand that, okay? Because uh-huh. uh-huh. it's, it's very key in the way that was just said. You're not at the mercy of your desire your desire is at the mercy of your will. You then, because you participated in the experience, have the willpower to either partake in it again or not. Okay? That's right. That's right. But without the experience, you will never know and you'll always be at the mercy of your desires, which will then uh, either weaken you, weaken you, or weaken you, which will cause you. you to do something, even something absurd, just to partake in that desire. That's correct. So you have to you have to learn that certain things you just have to indulge in. 
you have to understand the science of indulgence. Indulgence is not an evil, reckless, uh, wrong thing as society, as religion, and even our cultural values or morals being taught to us as children. It's not wrong. Uh It becomes or seems wrong because you repressed it so bad that when you partook in it, you did some extreme shit that possibly could have affected other people in the long run as well. So you got to understand. Now, now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On that same note, as we've also talked about a multitude of times over the last year, in order to really master your desires, and as you just said, if you don't experience any of them, how can you draw conclusions on them? Because, see, what tends to happen is, People will either suppress them completely, and as we said earlier, they'll go into extreme, extreme states of light side of spirituality, like you say, meditation, and now they're fucking gurus, and, you know, they're, you know they're, they're purifying their bodies and minds, they're fucking eating kale salads and shit and not washing their ass because they're all natural. So they think by becoming so extreme, they're actually becoming more delusional, whether they're conscious of it or not. So they think by avoiding it altogether, that is more tormenting, that is more destructive to the subconscious mind than anything else. Whereas opposed to what you're saying is, if you dabble in it and experience it to a certain level, not where it consumes you, because again, like you've made a key statement, you don't want to act out something that can be destructive in the sense, destructive to yourself. But when one actually, and this is part of, on this path, one of the aspects of the doctrines we talk about the doctrine of indulgence. One must indulge in certain things to really master them. And I use that analogy all the time. It's like how they use the flu shot. How they make you immune to the flu is they inject you with the flu. So you can't become immune to something if you've not experienced it. Real quick, I want to throw in there, uh, I know, uh, shout out to Brother Phil. I know he had asked uh, what uh, sources of information we're coming from. Well, this information here is kind of notes that were put together and gathered. It's not a particular book, but some books that you will find, the two books we're gonna, we want to throw out to the listeners. Um, the Grand Book of Sith talks about a lot of these concepts. Um, that's definitely a book you want to definitely seek out. It's going to break down a lot of these concepts. And uh, another good book uh, that Brother Ravana Noon had stumbled across, and, and I just started looking into it recently, uh, and we want to be clear on this book here. It, it can be extreme in some aspects, but again, you, it's up to you as being a god or a goddess to cipher in, in these books what applies to you and what doesn't. That's how one becomes a master. The other one is Blood Sorcery Bible, Volume 1, Rituals and Necromancy, um, a treatment on the science of blood and magnetics as they pertain to blood sorcery and necromancy. Um, though technically this is not uh, a book that deals exclusively just with Sith concepts, but there's a lot of similarities uh, that definitely can be connected to this spiritual path. Um, but again, we want to, uh, that book there, um, though I've only uh, just started going through it, it can be extreme in dealing with the blood aspect of it, but that aspect I disregard because we know when dealing with the blood, when we go back and listen to our Vampire Magic show, and we we clearly explain what the blood really represents. Uh, it really is the energy or the life source of the entity that you're working with, whether it's a human being, whether it's an archetype, it's tapping into the energy source. And they say the blood because the life is in the blood. The circulatory system fuels 
that throughout the entire body. So it's likened and symbolic with the blood. So blood sorcery or vampires or individuals that practice dark magic didn't mean they literally drank blood. It meant they tapped into the life source. They were able to absorb the energy of the gods. Sakmet devoured the gods. That's what it says in the, in the pyramid text that are coming forth by day. Did it literally mean Sakmet ate the deities? No. That's a symbolic term that she was able to strengthen herself by absorbing the consciousness and the energy of these deities, creating her power. Well, this is the same thing we do as Siths, if you want to call it, as vampires, as dark magicians, as black adepts. This is the same concept. So these principles you can find scattered uh, in all this level of information, and, you know, you kind of just cipher through what applies and what doesn't. Right. Um, but anyways, is there anything else you want to add to that key before we go to the Let me add one? this also. Um, mm-hmm. With the blood sorcery Bible, the, the essence of the Bible, um, Bible, shit, god damn it. Uh, I know the essence of the book <laughs> is essentially that you are the sorcerer, the master, the god. And essentially all things manifest through you. In essence, your blood is rich in iron. Iron has uh, a level of magnetic quality to it. So when you uh, utilize your own blood, let's say sometimes you could do a ritual pack and utilize your own blood to do the pack. This is going back thousands, thousands of years. People have been doing this. doesn't mean you have to. It just means that when you <clears throat> charge up your blood, it becomes more magnetic. And when you use it, your own blood in the ritual, not some external shit, just your own shit. Everything is your own. This, the key to sorcery is you got to realize it's all internal, all within yourself. Uh-huh. So when you charge up your blood and you utilize it in a ritual, then you attract it because of the magnetic qualities within your blood. So essentially you don't need anything outside of yourself to do or to bring forth anything. That's right. And it brings forth the concept of a sorcerer. What in essence is a sorcerer or a sorceress? A sorcerer or a sorceress is a uh, person who masters self, who's in control of self, and has the willpower, the intent, and the strength to manifest all of their wishes, desires, or goals from within without anything external. That's in essence what a sorcerer or sorceress is. A Sith sorcerer or sorceress essentially manifests everything from within Outward, so all of his desires, it focuses on how to bring him and manifest him into a physical reality from within. That's and right. This sorcerer seeks no gods, goddesses, seeks no um, angels and and uh, flying fairies and fucking you know powder puff packs and none of that shit. <laughs> Essentially, everything is already within itself. As a sorcerer, as a cis sorcerer, you manifest because you're already one with the force. The force. What is the force? It's the life or death current that runs through this planet continuously and has been here before you will be here after you. So essentially, the cis sorcerer and the blood sorcerer essentially ties into that respect in that we manifest everything from within outward. Rituals are, in essence, for a time. What do I mean by that? It means that you work your rituals for a time until you become the ritual. Let me let me uh, say this again. You work important. your rituals for a time, however many years, however long you feel you need to do this, 
to essentially you become the ritual and you become a walking, moving, experiencing sorcerer where just by your thought, by your focus of your eyes, you manifest everything you want immediately right then and there. Because you've Mm. worked the ritual so far, so strong, so hard, that your subconscious mind is literally now creating your reality because you've learned how to tap into your subconscious mind at will. Immediately, in a moment's notice, you can tap it in, bring it out, and and charge up your blood magnetically attracting to you what you want. Mm. Now, now, real, real quick, and this is why, again, because I'm listening to what you're saying, man, and... A lot of these basic core principles or foundation, um, again, we can keep going. If you go into the seven principles of Tahuti, you basically broke down in-depth, minus the charging the blood magnetically. Uh, obviously, this, it doesn't get into that. But the seven principles of Tahuti, as far as working with these frequencies, these vibrations, these energies, uh, because one of the keys is, you know, this quantum concept of all, all, all in, all, et cetera. Uh, all is mental, mental is all. Um, I keep telling people, when people always say, and I get this email all the time from new people on this path, where do I begin? And, and I would suggest other listeners out there that are experienced in this path, if you've been on this path or if you, you, you kind of, uh, you know, in-depth in it, not that you're new, but you might kind of be rolling out, I would always suggest to an individual, start with the seven principles of Tahuti understanding how these concepts work. Uh, matter of fact, right before I got on air, I got an email from a brother that can, he wanted to know what's the connection between hermetics and working black magic. And here's your answer. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and that's where I would direct people. Because um, what Ravana Noon was just breaking down, again, minus charging the blood magnetically, and we know the magnetic grid of the planet that's we right. know magnet. That's, that's, there's a connection with that, um, but that would where I suggest somebody to always begin in understanding these concepts. We'll go ahead and finish with that. Let me before also we go add this real mm-hmm. quick. Um, at the end of the show, I'll give my email and my Google Plus. If anybody wants a copy of these notes that we put together for cis sorcery, you can uh-huh. contact me there, and I'll um, send you an attachment through email, so you can have it and and utilize it. At your own will. So let me yep. just say that. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, he'll send you, he'll personally have an audible copy of himself. He'll read the whole thing. Yeah, that's right, man. I'll be wearing my Sith outfit. So, yeah, uh, you know, flow with that. Um, but, yeah, excellent point. Anything else you wanted to add to that before we go to the second key? No. Nah. For sake of okay. time, nope. Let's just hit the second one. Good. Let's go to the second one. So that was the, the first key dealing with desire. Um, and, hey, man, this is key principle. So that's your core. That's your foundation. And, really, that doesn't differ to anything we've been saying for the last several weeks over intent. So, again, what is the intent? And, and I like the way this is worded here. If, if, it, if you don't work this right, it can cause you pain. It's not just talking about physical pain. It's talking about emotional and spiritual pain. All right, the second key, which this, I think, sometimes is a key people tend to disregard or, or let me say this, or, or don't really think it's as important. And I'm going to tell you, man, some of these foundational keys in any magical system, sometimes the core foundation 
you can't you can't take it lackadaisical. Some people just think they can bypass the foundation, and they just want to go build the house, and they ain't got no foundation, and the foundation is weak, right. and then the house just crumbles because these are your negroes. My my crown chakra is open. I'm spiritually in tune, but yet their root chakra is shut the fuck down. Yeah. They broke as hell. They ain't got a dollar in their pocket. Yeah, yeah, but but their crown chakra is open and vibrating. Yeah. No, it's, that's, it's, that's it's not. Fluid. It's fluid and vibrating, brother. That's, that's yeah, not. that's not how it works. Sorry. That's not how it works. All right, the second key is timing. Before the serpent strikes, it rears its head and contemplates the best time to engage its fangs. This is a lot, of, a lot of symbolicism in this. Pay attention. Successful sorcery depends on knowing when the target is in the most receptive state. Consciousness is an obstacle to outside unconscious influence. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the best time to cast your spell is when your target sleeps. Mm-hmm. Better still, the sorcerer should know when the target is in a dream state of sleep which typically occurs in the last two or three hours before waking, the deepest state of sleep. The dream state is when the mind is the most receptive state. Night has always been the time of sorcery. While the masses are at rest, the flow of personal force resonating into the living force is at its lowest. This is a kind of psychic low tide when the streams of consciousness and biorhythms are at a low. Night provides the path of least resistance and should be utilized by the would-be successful sorcerer. Now, let's add this real quick. We talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were talking about the Holy Death, La Santa Muerte, we talked about one of the symbols that's connected to the dark aspect is the owl, the nocturnal creature. We see here, which is important, it talks about the dark hours of the night. It talks about the, the... Three hours prior to waking when one's in the deepest state of sleep because this is when one is most deep into what we would call their subjective realm or they're tapping into their higher, the mental aspect of themselves, dream states, et cetera, lucid dreaming, the chakras are aligned, they're flowing smooth with the biorhythms of the planet. So a sorcerer knows if you're going to attack, this is when you would attack. Now, we've also said this, and we've had, uh, for an example, Dr. Phil Valentine on the show to confirm this concept. We've had Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum uh, on the show to confirm this concept, but we've confirmed it ourselves. We know as melanated beings, melanated is, melanin is most active and powerful at this same stage or points of darkness. Okay? The disillusion is yeah. melanated people think that their melanin is, is most powerful in the daytime and the sun. No, that's your recharging, your regeneration period. That's right. Now, why? Break it down. That's right. That's that's black Blackness. Well, we're going to get black right now, pro-black. We're going to get super pro-black. Now, here's the, here's the illusion where the Dracula story got twisted. You, see, you got played with that Dracula story because I've heard many teachers over the years say, well, Dracula represents the white man because the white man needs the blood to survive and he can't take the sun. Really? Is that really what it represents? Because if Dracula needs blood and the life is in the blood and he cannot stay too long in the sun because of the recharging generation of the sun that fuels the blood and he's most powerful at the nocturnal points of the evening. Now, we all know, and I know I can attest to, and many other people have told me the same, 
when we're spiritually in tune, most melanated people have their highest states of spirituality and focus at the darkest points of the night. I know people, right. myself, I stay up to 3, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning studying, and I'm more, I'm more not as focused in during the daylight hours. I'm bringing this up because this key right here is bringing out a strong point. This is when our spiritual powers, we are nocturnal creatures by nature. Yes, and this is when our, that's right, our spiritual powers are heightened at these darkest points of the night. And a, and a sorcerer that's really in tune and connected knows, because, again, this key is about timing, the timing of working your magic, not just in a spell to attack somebody. I want to clarify that. It's not, it's not just talking about literally attacking a physical person. It's talking about any type of spell you're working and you're trying to bring it into fruition, those are the most heightened points or timing aspects that one should consider when working a spiritual spell, for lack of a better word. I would just say magic. It's just a term. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in the surface explanation of that. But we need to understand this. And, and, and as we've said before, if you are a fair or light-skinned melanated being, you only need 30 minutes to an hour a day of sunshine to recharge your melanin. Whereas opposed, if you're a dark-skinned band, a very dark-skinned melanated person, you need to spend several hours a day in the sun to recharge your melanin because you tend to absorb the sun's energy quicker and it burns it off quicker. So you need a lot more time to regenerate yourself. Yep. Okay, this is, this is important to understand because as a black melanated magician, that's very black, that's very black. Yes, it is. As a, <laughs> As a black melanated magician, you need to know the timing. And I'm, I'm, why did I go through all that? Simple. You need to understand that nature about yourself to time your magical workings, as it's saying here. Know when your powers are at its heightened peak. And know when you're not as at a heightened or spiritual peak. So if you are a dark magician, it's probably not good to do a spell at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That's what this is basically saying. Right. You understand? So let's build a little bit on this. If you want to add a little bit to that, let's talk a little bit about this briefly before we go into the third key. Sure. Um, like Brother Benini said, all right, understand the chemistry of your body and how it works. It's essential as a sorcerer, as a magician, as whatever the fuck you want to call yourself. It's, an, it's essential. Why? Well, during the day, your body produces more serotonin levels. Okay, serotonin is the hormone that is secreted during the day to keep your body active and running during that time. However, melatonin, serotonin is converted to melatonin when the appearance of the sun sets. Notice set, right? Set? Mm. Anyway, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when the sun sets, your uh, serotonin converts to melatonin. Melatonin is essential for deep, sound sleep. It's essential for producing the hormones necessary for continuous biorhythm in the nighttime of your body. And, Ravana, you remember in the 90s, there was a, <laughs> there was a huge craze in the melatonin yeah. supplement. You remember that shit? Melatonin supplement, yep, because that helped people sleep. And a lot of uh-huh. people couldn't sleep, and, of course, you know, you had a big, uh, large segment of the population buying that, and they overdosed on it, and they went cuckoo. But anyway, that's another story. But, that's right. But however, 
understand that this this is essential for your working. It's it's knowing the science of the forces and chemistry of your body and how it works. Why? Because if you understand that melatonin increases, your melatonin levels increase at night, which allows your pineal. And listen now, people. Listen now, it's just not us saying you had Dr. Phil Valentine on here, you had Dr. Bruce Bynerman uh, and, and Dr. Joel Pukram. They all verified mm-hmm. this. That's right. Your pineal gland is more active. Yes, you daylight fuckers. Pineal gland is more active between the hours of 12 midnight and about 4 a.m. Okay? And that's due to the increase in melatonin, which allows you to reach a deeper dream state. This is why in the African communities, dreams were so important because it was communication from your higher self to your subconscious mind, which bypassed the conscious mind that is distracted by the senses. So it was direct communication during that time. And most of the workings that were done in Africa, most of the rituals took place by the fire at nighttime. Because hey, Ravana, reflect back when we was younger, right? And a lot of people can attest to this. Think about when you used to go to house parties or clubs or hang out on the weekends. Why is it we didn't like to start till late? Some people don't get out the house till ten, eleven o'clock at night. Think about that for a minute. Right. It, it, you, you always time to go to parties or clubs. Like, shit don't get popping till midnight, right? You know what I mean? Why is that? You, you know what I'm saying? Ask yourself the question, why did we always train the mind to think, you know, you, you don't see a lot of melanated people getting to clubs at 7, 8, 9 o'clock. You understand what I'm saying? Going to parties at 7, 8, 9 o'clock. You see them trying to get there at a peak hour of the evening because they've already sensed and tapped in to the frequency that shit's going to start popping off at this time. People exactly. get there at this time, et cetera. So this this is the timing aspect. So in essence, we're timing to get our party on at its most heightened vibration because we want to tap into the most impactful point of the gathering. You understand? Exactly. Same thing. Same uh, thing. Exactly. And understand now, uh, when you're working and you're doing this timing, you're using this timing, why it works better in the evening is because – as pineal gland becomes active, okay, it the vibration of pineal gland literally creates what would be considered a little mini vortex within your mind, okay, uh-huh. which opens up the crown chakra. So you're able to be more receptive to receive messages and to send out, send out your magical workings uh-huh. at that time because your pineal gland is more receptive more vi- uh, is vibrating at a higher rate, opening up a small vortex in your mind. So now you are able to send and receive energy in and out quicker, faster. And most people are at rest at night. And though so their bodies, their minds, or just in general, everything is more calm. So it's able to be received by your intended uh, individuals, purposes or whatever you may have in mind. If you understand that science, then you understand then why most magical workings took place in the evening, starting Uh from more nighttime, let's say, starting from 12 midnight 
to about 4 a.m. That's right. Your body is receptive, your mind is receptive, and things are able to be received easier. So when you understand the exact time to manifest um, a desire, wish, goal, or um, some power work that you're trying to do, that's when you do it, that's when you utilize it. This is why sorcerers were always known to work in the night. They rested during the day. They partook in activities because they understood that they had to charge up their bodies, their serotonin levels. They had to increase the intake during the day, but they understood that it was time to rest as well so that when the evening came, the real work began. In essence, this is one of the reasons why black was worn a lot by sorcerers, because they understood that you were absorbing energy all day. So when the evening came, you released it. That's right. You released it, it traveled further because there's less distractions blocking it at the moment. Correct. Correct. Excellent point. All right, so that's timing. All right, that's the second key that we wanted to go over. Um, very important. And don't, again, don't negate and think, oh, that's, it's not really a big deal. Now, we're not saying look at timing. I want to stress this, too. We're not saying look at timing and get, get religious with it. Now, by all means, we're not saying that there, there will never be a point in the daytime where you might feel the need to do something because when you tap into the chaos aspect of this path, uh, and that's the beautiful aspect of, of chaos magic. Another another part of this path is sometimes magic on impulse on the fly or carrying out something on the fly uh, without really preparing for it, without really, you know, sitting there really thoughtfully planning it out because you can destroy your magical working by overthinking the shit. Yep. Um, so by all means, not saying that you will never accomplish anything in the daytime. So we don't want to make it sound like it's a religion in the sense of that, oh, it can only happen at that time. We're saying for the most part, on a wide scale level, on a high percentage, that's when your spiritual powers are most active. So I just want to be clear on that uh, before we move forward because I could, you know, I could send somebody's phone, well, I've done something at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and you might have. Um, but we can guarantee if you compare on a wide scale level, uh, and again, I'm talking to somebody that's a consistent practitioner, I guarantee you got well over 85 to 90% of your results. Uh, during those peak hours that we're talking about. Okay, so the third key is imagery. Let's talk about this for a little bit. This is going to take a lot of spookism out of shit. And I think this, is a, this, is, this, this key will remove people that are confused to the internal and the external aspect of working with archetypes, imageries, et cetera, sigils. I think this will kind of clarify this. Let's go through this real quick. All right, the Sith sorcerer must prepare well the trappings of the things or the thing that is to be. Imagery is an intellect-saving device, a constant reminder to the conscious and unconscious mind of your intended outcome. Imagery is symbolic of our desire. Pictures, drawings, writings, and sculptures, even sound and sense, build a blueprint of your intent. A lot of shit here. We're going to talk about this. Images can be manipulated in the ritual chamber, like actors in a play you have wrote. In the theater of the mind's eye, the symbols we choose solidify 
and make real the fantasy we employ towards our goals. The classic voodoo doll is an example of using imagery towards the ends of desire. Just as is the act of the boy who carves the name of his amour on a tree inside a heart. If your desire be for the intentions of a lover or to attract one that's a usually well-contrived fantasy, contract a map of what will come to be through drawings or litanies or by role play. See the situations you intend as real as if you are glimpsing into a future you are unfolding. We're talking some, now we're connecting to visualization. We're going to talk about that. If it is the material things you desire, visualize yourself as being surrounded by these things. Gaze upon images of your desires. Surround yourself with sights, sounds, and smells that represent your yearnings. Become a lodestone which attracts the situation or the thing that you wish. To enact the destruction of another, you must first kill them by proxy. Stab and choke them. Burn or drown them symbolically. Destroy the image you have created of your target as vividly as possible. Images utilized by the sorcerer are mechanisms to manifest in reality. Craft your image as well and they become as real. Now, when you hear us talking about, wow, when you hear us talking about tapping into your subjective realm, this would be one, going into their subjective realm, as it's said there on a multitude of levels, working with these imageries, uh, sigils, it could be symbols, it could be pictures, paintings, uh, symbols. Uh, you should, this, is, this is a Anything. Yeah, this is how you should work with archetype energies. So once you visualize this on your subjective realm, and just and it really, I mean, it can't get no no simpler than that. How to do it? Play the scenario out on the subjective realm. Visualize the outcome, as you use the term, create a roadmap, and that roadmap should lead to the outcome you're trying to obtain. And then it gave and visualize those specifics. See. People think, look, man, look, people think when we're talking about working black magic, as we said a million times, black magic is manipulation of the subconscious mind. See, some people hear black magic and they think that it's, you know, dressing in black robes and conjuring up demons at the altar. That's, that's not really what this is about. You understand what I'm trying to say? That's not what we're talking about. We, we understand what demons represent. We went through that whole thing. And, and the real definition of demons. But what we're trying to say is this is all mental. You understand what I'm saying? This is all the power of the, of the subjective mindset. And when we're talking about these concepts of sorcery, as it said when um, Ravana Noon was reading some of the excerpts from the Blood Sorcery Bible, it made it crystal clear. In essence, what you're really doing is contacting those high – I'm just giving you a, a basic term. You're contacting those divine powers. You're contacting uh, energies within yourself. You're not really working anything external where you've got to get yourself to the point where it technically gets to a point where you don't really need any of this shit no more. You understand? This is what it's basically trying to explain. But some people have a hard time of getting to that point because they've been so programmed for so long of a period of time to focus on external things. And I'm, I'm even talking about people that work magic. I'm not just talking about uh, people that claim to be conscious because let's keep it real. You do have some people that practice magic that are religious as fuck. Yeah. You understand? And, and that's a reality. So what this is basically telling you, so we, we had this conversation briefly earlier, and, and I had told Ravana Noon earlier today, I said, this is kind of the methodology I use when I work with archetypes. I'm not focused 
on, even though there's an image, let's say an Egyptian deity, there's an image per se identified with the deity. Um, but this is how you should look at it. Let's take Tahuti for an example. What's the imagery that's, that's associated with Tahuti? Most statues, drawings, or depictions, you always see him with the pen, the quill, and the scribe, and he's writing. So it's projecting an image of knowledge, wisdom, intellect. So when one working with that particular energy, that's what you should be focusing on, not external worship of the deity they call Tahuti. It's the same thing. Here, here's an example. It's the same thing with Baphomet. We, we say this all the time. When one is focusing on that imagery or working any spiritual magic and even using the sigil of Baphomet, say you're using the head of Baphomet um, encased in the pentagram, what one is really looking at when one is really um, focusing on that symbol, again, you're not looking at Baphomet as some deity you're worshiping. You're looking at the, all the multitude of levels of consciousness that Baphomet represents. And we know it's androgyny, masculine, feminine principles, as above, so below, the doctrine of correspondence. It represents the four elements, the Kundalini rising, etc. When one is really, for an example, trying to bring those forces together in totality, they're trying, they are becoming Baphomet. See, that's what Baphomet really represents. Baphomet really represents you. And that goes back to something that Ravonun said earlier. You get to the point where you become the ritual. So in essence, we're all trying to become Baphomets in the sense of what Baphomet represents. Everybody wants totality, equilibrium, balancement, as above, so below. They want to connect the subjective and the objective. That's as above so below, as within, so without. So what that represents, we got to get, get out of all this bullshit, all this YouTube sensationalism, Baphomet and the Illuminati and the Templars. Here we are now back to square one, dealing with external bullshit that holds no validity because the concept of Baphomet in itself predates all that bullshit. Okay, it goes way beyond that. That's one aspect. I mean, the list goes on and on. This is why this concept or this key of imagery is so important because when one works with imagery, one can take any of these concepts and adjust it to their personal magical working and make it successful for them. Now, I mentioned in here, say, if it's finances, right? We get stupid-ass emails sometimes. How, do, how can I become rich? All right, let's, let's clarify this shit, too. Okay, you're not going to snap your fingers and poof, you're going to be rich. Okay, unfortunately, some Negroes believe that shit. They think they're going to get into the spiritual practice, and all their intent is, okay, let me say this, because it's going to go back to the first case. All their intent is, I just want to get paid. But was that really the desire that you needed to bring about the abrupt change? You're saying you want all this money and this wealth, but first, before you can attain that, this realm or this door or this, this gate or porthole or consciousness that you open up says, before we can allow that to happen, before the universe can be receptive to that shit, we got to clean up some shit about you. You understand? There's some shit you need to address first. There's some shit you got to get in order first because you, you can't, again, go from point A to Z without walking every path uh, in the middle of that. And some people want to go from point A to Z, but they don't want to do anything in between. You know, they just all of a sudden want to be self-made, self-professed, self-proclaimed masters on whatever the fuck it is they're fucking with. 
but yet have not gained any real-life experiences, have not gained any real-life results, have not manifested living proof of the spiritual path that they're talking about. So then it becomes mundane in the sense that, again, you're a regurgitating walking encyclopedia of information. And unfortunately, we have too much of that in the conscious community today. We got niggas that want to give three- and four-hour lectures on the metro netra. Laugh my ass off. That's all I can say about that shit. They want to sit here. Yeah, and in the Bantu language, but it sounds all fucking heavy, but at the end of the day, it holds no fucking substance. That's the problem with that shit. It's boring. It's not going to help you do goddamn thing in 2016. Okay, as we've said before, history is a great tool to instill pride, motivation, and you should know your history so certain aspects of it doesn't repeat itself, and you need to know your history so you know your future. But when you get stuck in that shit and you live back there, see, we got, we got two syndromes that melanated people suffer from. It's called messiahitis and living back in the day. See, most Negroes want to follow somebody so they don't have to do a goddamn thing. They can just sit back and somebody's going to take them to this promised land or this utopia. You got that Negro and then you got the other Negro, the Negro that just the very sight of them and the sound of them sickens to me to my fucking stomach. When all they want to do is rant or rave and play the role of the victim and how bad what white people have done and how fucked up the world is and, you know, and back in the day how great we used to be back in Africa and Egypt gets me sick to my stomach. I just want to fucking throw up all of them. Because you know why it gets me sick to the stomach? Because it takes me back to a point in time. It reminds me years ago that that's where I was engulfed in that ignorance and stupidity. And it makes me sick because... I get this nauseating feeling because rather than I'm not trying to go backwards in my evolution on a mental and a spiritual level, I'm trying to go forward and constantly evolve. These Negroes want to stay back in the day. They want to play the victim. And that's why I said earlier with this Donald Trump shit now, now, oh, man, these, these coons are loving it because now they, they got video. They got material. Now they can bring in all the – look, and let me say this. I, want, I need to throw this shit out there because I got emails the day after the election, do you think this is part of the new world order and the mark of the beast? Shut the fuck up. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Seriously? If you are that fucking stupid, let me, let me reiterate this. If you are that stupid and you think this concept of the new world order is just beginning now, you've been asleep for a long fucking time, okay? Because it's been a buildup for a multitude of years. This has been ongoing, Okay. And the very fact that people got to send emails because Donald Trump won an election and you want to know if this is the ushering in of the new world order, you are a stupid, bad bone goon. And I can't sugarcoat, I can't sugarcoat it any other way. It just goes to you, you've now identified yourself to me, number one. And number two, you've just exposed every mental weakness that I need to see just by that very statement alone. Yep. Okay, and that's the reality of it. So let's make sure we're clear on that. Um, so let's build a little bit on that imagery and the power of it and how does it tie into your sorcery, your magical workings, um, and how is one able to successfully incorporate this? Let's build on that for a little bit. Well, uh, key thing, imagery, right? Imagery. We keep saying that in this, this key, uh, section here of imagery. Why, um, imagery is important is because you live more by sight than by anything else. As a human being, you live more by sight than by anything else. Why 
because sight is directly connected to the subconscious mind and recording all of the information that you take place in day to day. Now, what's important is that if you understand that an image has more profound effect than just being an image, then you would understand how to utilize it in your everyday workings. Mm -hmm. For example, if you, um, let's say, desire a nice house and you desire a certain house and you want it a certain way and everything else, that image in itself, if you learn how to utilize it, meaning give life to it, role play with it, meaning you actually visualize yourself in it. You go visit a brand new house that's just been constructed and you walk through it. You sit there for a moment. You actually are eating, digesting, breathing, sleeping, this whole thought process. You are now creating a, a, a ripple in your subconscious mind to create a manifestation in the real world by your actions. This is the key part now. You can see an image all day and night, but you don't do a goddamn thing, meaning you take actions like work, you know what I'm saying, uh, increase your finances, do different things, then you're a goddamn fool still, okay? Mm-hmm. You have to understand that you, just because you use imagery, you have to do the physical manifestation part of it, the actual hands-on work to it, Okay. But you give life to this image of something you really want or or desire or need or whatever the fuck it is, okay? Because what you really need is what the end result will always be, not what you want. Just understand that. So let's say to the brothers listening to the show, you want a big butt booty female. <laughs> you you visualize. You see this image. You give life to this image. You you participate in this image, but your ass is home all day. You think you're really going to meet that female or a female that is structured and built like her? No, you have to get out there and participate in the experience in order to meet that. But by visualizing that, you are basically activating your subconscious mind and you become a magnet to draw that into you because you see it in your in every thought, every process it becomes a reality to you now. And you because will be now, out and about. You will be out and about and run into it. Trust me when I tell exactly. you that. Exactly. And you're going to seek this, and you'll be a magnet to attract it to you because you gave life to that image of exactly what you want. See, an image helps in, in this main point. An image defines exactly what it is you want to manifest or bring into your life or that you desire. See, you can say by word, by intent, oh, this is what I want. But see, now an image brings more definition to it. Okay, for example, I've heard, I've had discussion with some sisters, you know, did some conversation with some sisters. They want a man in their life, okay? And I asked them, well, what kind of man do you want? See, they, they have about a million different answers and nothing really concrete and Pinpoint it. So I always tell them, well, find a picture 
And once you find that picture, you'll see how it'll come into effect even more. You know, there's different working that I share with them that they could possibly try, right? But when you find that picture, you defined it. You define exactly what you want. It's not a vague image. It's a vivid image of exactly what you want. And that increases your intent and your focus to be so pinpointed that there's no digression from that exact image. You understand what I'm saying now? Because I don't hear so many people, and you ask them, what is it you really want? And they won't have an answer. They don't have a real concrete, you know, real concrete answer of what is it exactly they want in their life. They'll give you vague answers, and they'll generalize, okay, well, he or she has to look like this. They have to be this or this. And they're, okay, but damn, you just described about goddamn 50,000 people, okay? Exactly what is it do you mean by that? What exactly is it? So that's why I say find an image. You find that image that image, you focus on that, you start to give life to that image because you have a definite, vivid description of what it is you want in your life. A house, a car, finance, or whatever the hell. You have a vivid description. But please, be realistic in your fucking imagery <laughs> that you see. Do not yes, fucking right. look like a damn troll and expect some fucking, you know whatever people define as being beautiful model type person is or, you know, so whatever. Be be realistic with yourself, okay? Now that you can't get that, but be more a little realistic because, you know, you know, you're missing 10 teeth and shit and you expect this likelihood of that pass, uh, happening is you're being real unrealistic. Fuck that. Just be real with that shit, okay? So understand that is the key to imagery. When you work that shit like that, mm-hmm. it, it brings your focus and intent to a pinpointed description and very vivid that it brings it more to life than some general, oh, well, this is what I want. This is how it has to look. Really? You're not, you're not going to get it because you're not really being that definitive on what you want or what it is you seek or what it is you, you, you know, what type or what, whatever. You're not being definitive. And anything you do when you work sorcery, you have to be definitive on what you want. There can't be possibilities of maybe like this or maybe like that because you're never going to get that shit. That's right. That's right. understand that because images have a profound effect on you. If I want to work with, let's say, graveyard energy, would I get a fairy a fairy yeah, statue and work with yeah, graveyard. That's that's what you do, bro. That's what you do. You, you see what I'm saying? But people try that shit though, and it, it's not going to work because that has shit to do with the graveyard. That's right. You understand? It has to be directive, a clear directive of what you want and the definition of what you want. So you can't get one image. It has nothing to do with the other image. And you say, well, I'm powerful. I'm pro-black. I'm melanated. I have the supreme nine mind or whatever coon shit you want to say and think you're going to manifest that, but you're looking at Miss Piggy, but you want, you know, something else. Please, cut the shit. Exactly. Exactly. 
All right, so that's a good point. Um, that breaks down that key. So what we're going to do is, again, we're gonna, we've got two more keys. We're going to finish with the last two keys. Uh, that should take us to a little bit past the top of the hour. We will then go to the phones and online to the chat room and take some questions, some comments, some concerns, uh, some input, whatever you want to call it. And, again, we do want to encourage uh, participation. That, that's the objective. And, again, it's not to criticize anybody. Uh, I know a lot of people will just say, oh, man, just listening. I know you've got to have questions about this shit. There's no way somebody can listen to this type of information and, and not have questions. And, and we're saying that because we don't want you not to ask questions or you don't even, don't even have to be a question. Voice, voice uh, get some input to the build. You know, you, you can give a comment, comment on it. Uh, because the way we're breaking it down and just talking about it, we're not saying that this is the only way. Um, we're just building on it. So everybody, you know, brings something unique when they're adding to the bill. So you, you don't necessarily, if you don't have a question, but you've got to have some input, this got to spark some type of intellect in the sense that it's got to, you know, you know, motivate you to want to comment or add something to it. So, that's the objective of the show. We want, you know, we want people to in, in, infuse their input on this shit. You know, tell us what you're feeling. Tell us, tell us uh, how you're putting it into perspective. Uh, tell us how you're absorbing all this, not just, you know, tonight's show, but, uh, you know, things we've been, you know, building on on the last year and some change. And I think this is show 98. I'm not sure. We're almost at that 100 episodes. And we've been doing this 100 different shows. And you got to have some questions. I mean, we got enough of shows in the archive that it probably would take you months to listen to all that shit. You understand what I'm saying? And then we've covered every topic you can pretty much think about, and we'll continue to pull shit out of the hat and, 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 and you know, and go in depth on this. And that's the purpose. All right, so let's go to the fourth key. The last two we're going to finish up with. Uh, the fourth one is direction. And, and Ravana Noon kind of alluded it towards the end of what he was just building on with imagery. Got to have a direction. You got to have a directive. Um, and this is, again, another aspect that sometimes is taken for granted or, or, or lightly or not enough attention is focused on. So, and, again, all of these keys are important because the person that says, yeah, man, I mean, we all know this person. There's always this person, too. Yeah, no, you got that person that, man, they, they, <laughs> they, got, it look, they got the look down pack externally. They, you know, they're super occultists, you know. <laughs> They wear black all the time, big-ass pentagrams. You know, you got this, too, not just in the conscious community. This is that, that coon in the conscious community that, you know, he's, he's super Egyptian. He's got all the garb down. You know, he's wearing all the medallions. Yeah, I mean, you know, we get, this, we get emails with this. Yeah, man, you know, I've been doing this work and this ritual and this that, and, and nothing's working. Well, here's the reason why. Not a proper one. Not the intent is not focused. And, two, there's no direct. There's no direction. Sometimes you're all over the fucking place. But let's, let's read this. Accumulating the force. This is the fourth key direction. Accumulating the force within and tempering it with your desire is a better part of a successful spell. But directing the energies and completely releasing them is far more vital to the operation. Once you have cast your spell, you must not have concern for it any longer. Let it be. That is one thing we do on the left-hand path after we finish our ritualistic working. We don't say what lightsiders say in some spiritual path, so mote it be. We say it is done. Okay? Anytime you finish your work, and that's, that's leaving it there. And then you do not access it again. 
because you're, you're putting that stamp of finality on it. But anyway, it goes on to say, uh-uh, in this key of direction, <clears throat> excuse me, okay, um, once you have cast your spell, you must not have concern for it any longer. You must have no doubt that the spell has hit its target and has worked, or quite simply, it will not. So it's not going to work once, you pour, once that doubt creeps in. The goal of casting a spell is to free oneself from the desire by directing the energies of that desire towards the goal. That's a directive. That's a directive. Worrying about the effectiveness of the spell only weakens the emotional energy that you have sent out. It is akin to pulling back that which you have thrust into reality. When casting a spell, you must bend all of your emotional energies into ritualistically directed force. Pull the trigger and release the bullet knowing that the target will be hit. So, second guessing. This is all part of the process I mentioned earlier, overthinking something. You can overthink yourself out of, a, out of doing something successful. You ever hear that saying, you can talk yourself out of something? People can talk themselves out of something? Well, it's the same, same methodology. If you, if you sit there and do it, when it says leave it there, and when you make that statement, you're giving it a, a strong directive. When, when you say it is done and you leave it there, it doesn't mean don't start going, oh, did I do it right? Oh, was that effective? Wait a minute. Did that part that I did in that section, did I do that really right? Oh, is this really going to work? Oh, is this really as powerful? You're done. Once you start doing that, you've killed the directive. You've, you've just, like it said there in that, in that section, all the emotional energy you charged it with, you have now pulled that energy back now. You've taken it all back, and long story short, you basically just wasted your damn time. When you're definitive about your direction and you're confident and you say, I did this magical working, this is what's going to happen, I played it out, you used the technique before it, the imagery, you visualized it, you, you played the whole scenario out in your subconscious mind, you now brought it into the objective, and now you have a successful magical working, one that's fueled by intent, it's got purpose, it's fulfilling the desire that's needed, not wanted. That's important to understand, okay? And now you got strong directive for that magical work and now to start coming into effect, okay? So this is why these keys are important. And, again, let's, let's, let's also stress this. This doesn't just apply only to Sith sorcery. This can be applied to a multitude of spiritual workings, okay? This is a foundational uh, process and concept that we're going over right now. I mean, this is, this is really universal. This can be applied to a multitude of levels. And I'm telling you, a lot of this stuff, again, you can find a lot of these concepts defined, again, in the seven principles of Tehuti. And any alchemist, magician, metaphysicist, adept of the black arts, I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it probably a million more times in the future, that would be the best place to instruct a newcomer to grasp, and I can't, I can't stress enough how when I really started studying that and reading it and really absorbing it, I'm talking about going in hard on it, it helped me understand a lot of my magical workings, especially in the sense when dealing with the, doc, the doctrine of vibration and polarity. The doctrine of vibration is powerful. The doctrine of vibration it will just explain a lot of this shit that we're talking about, working with a multitude of these varying degrees of vibrational energies. That's all we're working with here. That's all this is talking about. But now you've got to put it into perspective. So great foundation for that. Directive is key. Don't, don't look. 
don't downplay this key again like the uh, like some of the other keys that we just went through as as not being important because look you have to be chaotic but chaotic with some discipline now people might be saying in the head what the fuck does that mean we say it again you have to be chaotic being jump into the moment engulf the moment don't overthink it don't overplan it because then you take away from the beauty and the impact in the moment and that's the great thing about the left-hand path. When you sit there and just dive in head first and you're not thinking, you're not wondering, should I do this? I'm not sure. I wonder who's going to have a – so, again, what you're doing is you're now you, – you're, you're, you're not engulfing yourself and absorbing. You're not living in that moment and experiencing it. You're killing the experience because you're overthinking it. You're trying to structure it too much. You're trying to make it too organized, and you're not going to get – good, positive results. So when I say be chaotic with discipline, I'm simply saying educate yourself and, and, and know before you start any magical work, and whether it's chaotic or not, what is your intent and what is your directive? What, 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 what are you trying to, where, where are you going with this? You know what I'm saying? Do you know where you're going with this? And when you do identify where you're going with this, what is the outcome you're trying to achieve? And have you visualized that outcome? successfully? Have you seen it? And then if you are successful at it, were you able to manifest it into a reality on the objective realm? This is what a Sith does. This is, this is, this is what Sith saw sorcery and other systems that are similar to it is really all about. This is the magic that we're talking about. We're not talking about blood sacrifice and, 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 and sacrificing goats and, and innocent children and all that Euro-Satanism, that European garbage, left-hand path shit that they try to promote uh, and that people think, uh, which ain't nothing but the, the actual bipolar or the polar reactive to what we call Christianity. It's the other pole, the extreme pole of it. That's it. This is what this is about. So let's talk a little bit briefly before we get into the last key. Um, if you want to build a little bit on directive and direction, let's build uh, sure. briefly on that. Um, basically, in so many words, as Brother Benedi hit on uh, the fifth key here, I mean, fourth key, sorry, fourth key of direction, mm-hmm. um, you basically have to really know, you have to have the confidence that what you did worked. Not is going to work, possibly work, maybe work, you just have to know it. That's right. And if you don't have that confidence, you you might as well not do shit. That's right. Because you negated everything you just did. You could have done an elaborate ceremonial ritual. You could have the costume on. You could have the candles burning, circles, all kinds of shit. The minute you left, and you said, well, I wonder. See, you just now went into doubt mode, and you just yeah. annihilated, destroyed and basically erase everything you did. That's correct. 100% correct. Okay. Uh, good point. Brief to the point. And then the last key, and then we'll go to the phones and, and take, uh, again, you know, as many as we can. We, we, we do want to keep the time frame within reason. We're trying to do that now. Um, all right, the fifth key is balance, Right. Oh, I can hear all, all, I can hear all the, the Ma'at Negroes. Yeah, See, I told you. It, 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 yeah, it goes back to balance. It's about Ma'at, brother. 
It's about Hotep, brother. It's about Ma'at. Peace, brother. Goddamn Negroes get me sick with that shit. All right, the fifth key is balance. <laughs> the balance factor is summed up essentially as being realistic in the goals you set. We, you just broke that down, Ramanum. Be realistic in the goals you set. Okay, that's balance. Like you say, don't fucking go for some outlandish shit, you know, and it's just not going to work. But anyway, uh, this is especially true when working the rights of lust or compassion. Let's talk about this shit for you Negroes that are doing those big booty rituals. Uh, the sorcerer must be honest enough with oneself to know their limitations. To know your limitations. So don't go outside, uh, you know, of a realm or a level of information or spirituality or a practice where even though you might have convinced yourself you're there, you're at that level, but the results are dictating otherwise. How do you know you're outside or you're beyond the level you should be dealing with? Well, if you're constantly working rituals and not getting any results, guess what that's telling you, people? Guess what it's communicating to you? You're doing something wrong. You're not at that level yet. You need to go back now and reevaluate and identify why, why things ain't going the way they're supposed to be going. Because there's an element there you're not addressing. This is what this is talking about. This is real balance. All right. Then it goes on to say, the sorcerer must be honest enough with oneself to know their limitations. This means brutal self-assessment. Like I said before, we love to identify all the things we love about ourselves. I'm so spiritual. I'm special. I'm so helpful. I'm the smartest person on the planet because I read about 50 books on Egypt. I know everything. Nobody can tell me nothing. See, that's all that shit that caters to your weak-minded self and your petty ego. And the ego is necessary, but that's feeding the ego on an unnecessary level, imbalancement, all right? Then it goes on to say, um, if you are less, okay, let me back up. I missed a section. This means brutal self-assessment, knowing what you can have based on what you do. Very important. If you are less than attractive or ugly, <laughs> I love this part, yeah. Face the fact that the supermodel will not, be, will not bend to your attentions no matter how potent you craft your spell. So basically, if you're the ugly motherfucker, <laughs> stop. Again, unrealistic. Okay, this is just giving you a, a basic metaphor here. The greatest asset to the sorcerer is knowing what assets he or she has available. Strengths and your weaknesses. Know what are your good assets and know what are assets that you have about yourself that are holding you down. You know, people don't want to identify that. Maybe you're an impatient motherfucker. Maybe no matter what you sit out to do, every time you sit out to do, you just fuck it up. You're just a complete fuck up. You understand? These are things you got to address about yourself. Because sometimes, that old adage, people are their own worst enemies. Sometimes you get in your own way. But you always want to blame it on somebody else. You know, it's never your fault. No, I didn't fuck up. It's not my fault. I fucked up because this happened. And, you know, you're pointing the fingers. You're always, you know, saying it's something else. Somebody else did it, except it's all bullshit. All right. Then he goes on to say, the last part, the greatest asset to the story, again, sorcerer is knowing what assets she, she, he or she has available. Self-knowledge is the greatest strength. What's the greatest strength, people? Self-knowledge. Wow, that's fucking deep. Okay? And I'm saying that sarcastically. 
Self-knowledge is the greatest strength, which must be honest with, we must be honest with ourselves about our limitations. So, so be real with yourself. Even though you know you might have an ego, and you don't want to admit you have some limitations, you better get over that shit. That's going to be your downfall. Be honest with yourselves and know, be, know your limitations. Sorcery is like the nature of the force itself. Success depends on working with harmony rather than against it. Okay? A lot of shit in there, people. Not complicated, but I think there's a lot of concepts in that section that was just read that we tend to either disregard or don't pay enough attention to or don't focus enough attention to. Um, That's real balance, okay? But to understand that real balance, okay, one must really address as we said before, in a multitude, the core issues of themselves, the shadow self, uh, fucked up aspect of themselves, trauma on the subconscious, all those were just different methodologies uh, uh, to get you to the point to understand it. So uh, real quick, Brother Ravana Noon, if you want to, uh, let's, let's build a little bit on balance and what that represents. Sure. Be realistic, motherfuckers. That's what you got to know. Be realistic. This is, I think I alluded to this earlier and one of the other principles, but a lot of people do rituals and they're not being real with themselves. You got to be real. You got to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And you got to work your shit from that angle. You can't go in there thinking, well, shit, I'm the hot shit. I know all this shit. And then nothing works on your behalf because, first of all, your mindset is wrong. Second, you don't know everything. And third... You're just fucking up all the other four principles we just went over, just from that simple thought of, oh, I'm I I I I don't I'm great. I don't need to assess myself and my weaknesses. I'm the shit. I'm melanated, so I have everything natural. Bullshit. Get cut the shit. Be direct. Find out your weaknesses and strengths, and work your shit from there. That's right. Excellent point. All right, so I think that pretty much gets through, you know, the keys, the core keys. And we chose those keys uh, because we thought this would be the foundation and and not thought it is the foundation. So let's rephrase that. Not thought it is the foundation. Uh, So if one is interested in working this path, there's your your keys to this path. So where do I begin? Well, how do, I, how do I begin to grasp to understand what this is about and how it works? Well, look, man, I think that was straight to the point. Uh, if you need to review the information, as we say, the shows are archived. You can always go back. Uh, and as Brother Ravana Noon said, he's more than willing to email a copy of this to anybody, if anybody would personally like a copy of it. Uh, at the end of the show, when we give out contact information, he'll give you an email address where you can reach him, and he'd be more than happy to email this to anybody that wants to, you know, understand what this is about and start working it. I think those keys are a great place to start. And, again, I would add, I'm telling you, if you have not read the Kabbalah and the Three Initiates, the Seven Hermetic Principles, I would suggest you definitely, you, that's a must-have, okay? I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I don't, I don't, it's a must-have. That is your foundation. When you really know that inside and out, and no matter what I do, and I'm telling you this from experience, I'm not telling you this because I want you to do the same thing I'm doing. 
I'm telling you, no matter how in-depth I get in working these spiritual systems, I'm always going back to that, seven hermetic principles of food. I'm always back in it because it just continuously opens more doors in understanding these concepts and really how to work with it. Um, I can't stress that enough. All right? So having said that, let's go to, to the uh, phones and chat room. We do have some interesting comments in the chat room. We're going to go back. We'll review some of the earlier comments. Uh, we'll, we're not going to, again, I'll kind of select some of the ones. Uh, we're not going to be able to get through all of them. It's going to be impossible. We don't have the time. Um, but, again, if you are on the phone lines, uh, again, I hate to reiterate this every week, but please unmute yourself before we access you. And we do encourage, again, people to register with TalkShoe.com and get a screen name. It is free. There is no charge. Uh, it's easier when you register and get a screen name. Then we're able to identify and plug you in on the phone by name. Unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of having everybody here this evening with a screen name. We have some people on by state, and there's uh, unfortunately sometimes multiple states on, but uh, when we call your state, if it's you, just speak, and we will be able to hear you. Okay, if you are in just the chat room and you would like to get on the phone line, and maybe you've never done it or you're not sure, it does show you right there on the uh, home page, uh, you can dial in at 724-444-7444. Again, that's 724 That's 724-444-7444. Uh, once you dial in, it's going to ask you for a call ID. You would just simply uh, hit 134-778-POUND. One three four seven seven eight pound. Then it's going to ask you for a pin number, and that's just number one in the pound symbol. Okay, so if you are in the chat, just listening, and you want to get on the call, that would be the way uh, you can get on the call and uh, give your comments. Okay, so let's go to our first caller um, in the queue, and then I'll start with the phone lines, and then I'll go to the internet. Uh, we got my good sister, Lady Mystic, on the phone. How are you doing, sis? Are you there? Lady Mystic, are you there? Can you hear us? Anybody there? Lady Mystic. I hope we ain't having a problem with the phone. They've been fucking with us lately. All right, we'll try to come back to Lady Mystic. I'm not sure if she's there or if she's having a problem. Uh, let me go back into the chat room. Let's scroll up to some earlier comments. As usual, Brother Phil at it with his 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 massive imagery. He's <laughs> He's projected some serious imagery in his comments. Uh, uh, but let's go up to some earlier. There's some questions that I, I saw earlier. I'm going to scroll up here and go back to the early portion of the chat. I thought I saw a question. First question uh, was by Brother Seth Adam. Let me find that question. I want to make sure I got to that one. Uh, okay. Um, he typed in um, earlier, would you say that one's need is more on a subjective level rather than an objective level? For an example, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding should be one's need rather than, say, mundane, mundane things such as a car. Uh, Brother Phil actually answered the question in the next uh, sentence uh, by saying it is all connected. Um, so I think it's a, it's a, in dealing with that last key we just went over, balancement, uh, I, I think you really need to just 
just know how to put these things into perspective, uh, whether it's on the subjective or the objective. Um, of course, one needs those higher spiritual principles on the subjective realm to spiritually grow and evolve, no doubt. Um, but I would definitely say, you know, again, apply some of those keys that we just went through, especially the balance factor and the directive factor, um, to kind of determine uh, or, or, or really being successful on, like you say, determining your needs as opposed to your wants. But that's an excellent question. I don't know if you want to add something to that, Brother Ravana. Sure. <clears throat> Let me add this. Uh, need and want. Sometimes what you think is a want can actually be a need and vice versa. Um, sometimes you have to. And some people may um, not realize this, but sometimes you have to participate in some mundane experience. After all, you are living in a physical body. You are sensing, viewing, and experiencing life in a physical body. And certain experiences in the physical realm give you mastery over the physical that allows your consciousness to expand. Now, expand some spooky sense where you're floating and, you know, you're some hot shit now. No, expand in the sense that you no longer perceive things the way you used to. Your perception and perspective has expanded from the limitations and borders and boundaries you created over yourself or society or culture or religion. Sometimes you do need to participate in mundane experiences to um, actually grow and to actually apply some of these techniques, you have to do it in the physical because you can apply this all you want in the spiritual, but you're still living in the physical and you have to see the results in the physical as well. So understand that when you work this, you're not working it just so it can be non-mundane experiences. It, mundane experiences are just as important as non-mundane experiences. You have to work both. There is no getting around it because for years I used to do the same thing and think everything emanated from the spiritual and the physical doesn't have nothing to do with it. Bullshit. It has much more to do with it than we really can imagine and possibly understand because you cannot master the spiritual until you master the physical. You're not going nowhere spiritually until you master the physical. And I keep reiterating that and saying that because I see this far too often within melanated people in the conscious community. Community, We never master the physical, and we want all these great spiritual results. But you're living here now, and you're walking, talking, breathing, and hearing and seeing things in the physical now. So your work emanates first in the physical. Regardless if we like that or not, this is where you're at. That's right. Okay, excellent point. Um, all right, let's see if we can get another caller on the phone. Uh, again, if your phone is muted, please, 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 unmute your phone. All right, so the next caller in the queue, he just says, uh, Northeast California, you're on the call. Anybody there from Northeast California? Anybody there from Northeast California? You are on the call. All right. Yes, nobody. 
motherfuckers either. Not there, they just ain't saying nothing. All right. Uh, let me see if there's anything else here in the chat. See uh, too many questions in the chat. There's some, some conversation. Okay. Let's, uh, let's count really not much more in the chat. All right, so let's go back to the phones. Uh, the next caller we got is West Maryland. You're on the call. Anybody there from West Maryland? Peace, brother. How y'all is here? Peace. All right, we're good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I just like what the brother just said about uh, us being here in the physical. Um, mm-hmm. Isn't this really just a test? This physical realm that we're in, this gob of flesh there's just a bunch of molecules vibrating at a rate that we can see each other while we're moving from an extreme speed on a planet that's in constant travel. You know, um, I'll, <laughs> let me find my words. No, no, no. I mean, what you're saying, I'm, I'm listening to you. I was just, I thought you were going to add more to that. Yeah, yeah, scientifically, you know, what you're saying is correct scientifically. But uh, as long as we're not saying that from the point, because sometimes what, what, what that also is saying in that statement, I'll let also Obama Noon add to it since he was breaking a uh, building on it. But what it's also saying is sometimes we, we disregard the human element of the experience as not being important. It's not saying get trapped in that because. Um, what you're doing there is, yeah, you're breaking down the more scientific aspect of it. Yes, that's exactly what the physical would represent from a scientific perspective when you're, when you're dealing with, like you say, the molecules, the vibrational frequencies. Because, yes, when, when these vibrational frequencies slow down and we take on these physical forms, that's basically what we're seeing or lesser vibrations or manifestations of these things. Mm-hmm. But, to, you know, but to really grasp and be successful, what tends to happen in some spiritual doctrines or spiritual circles or levels of consciousness, some people tend to just get so engrossed in the concept as if, and this is what I say, I don't know if you've, I don't know how long you've been listening to the show, but some people will get extreme with it. I'm not saying you, but some people will get extreme with it and they'll say, well, you know, the physical is not important. It's all an illusion. It holds no place and we can't get trapped in it. Well, if there, and I tell people there's this, such this high level of spirituality and you really believe that, then just kill yourself and get to the spiritual realm because mm-hmm. what's keeping you here is suffering because if it's that bad, at the same token, people will break that down, but at the same token, they're accepting the suffering that comes along with it, which shows that there's an imbalancement because they're not really looking at it in its totality. So, you know, yes, from a, from a scientific perspective, no doubt that that is 100% true. But how do we incorporate that into the human experience? Because we can't negate the fact that we, there is a human element to it. We experience it on a daily basis. Because if we were just purely spiritual and none of that was relevant, we wouldn't be going through the things we're going through. We wouldn't be dealing with the things we're dealing with. We wouldn't even be having this conversation right now because we would automatically be able to access, for lack of a better word, those higher realms of existence. But I think that's what we're all striving to, because as long as we're confounded, as long as we're confounded to three-dimensional existence, as long as we're in this three-density realm, you know, we're, we're, we're subjected and governed by some of its laws uh, unless 
there's periods of time where we can discipline ourselves via, via astral travel and visualization meditation where we leave those things that you just mentioned that confound us here, that's dealing with it on a whole other level. So I think what this is about or what this path is really trying to show an individual is the fine line between the two and, one, and how one has to move in between the two on a physical or mental and a spiritual level. Um, I hope that gives you some guidance. Uh, I don't know, Ravana Noon, if you want to interject on any portion of that. No, brother, you hit it on the head. Uh, any anything else you wanted to add to that, brother? Was something else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, let me say this to you. Okay, with that said, do you feel that the suffering and or the alleged suffering, I should say, is something that's brought on by the self? Didn't you bring that on yourself? No doubt. Didn't you, didn't you visualize something that you're suffering and you're, you 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 manifested this thought into reality? Mm-hmm. You know, my thing, my thing, I hear what you're saying about manipulating the forces on the planet and the universe. Mm-hmm. That's Correct. what I hear. That's what I hear y'all talking about. Exactly. And so exactly. I feel that in any level of what people may call religion or religrate to tie back to the original, mm-hmm. They're just being mistaught because each one of those religions teach the same thing, that I'm a universal being and I right. emanate from the all. Mm-hmm. And that I have within my power to be the steward over the universe and command all the forces of, of nature. Mm-hmm. And as well, long as I'm doing it ethically and right, responsibly. Of course. Uh, but monotheistic faith belief systems don't teach that. They teach that it's faith-based. They teach that you must have faith. They teach that it's something external outside of yourself that has full, you know, full power and control over you. Uh, when you just speak of what you spoke from a quantum perspective, you know, you'll, you'll get a lot of people that deal with different levels of consciousness that come from that perspective. But if you're saying monotheistic religions, it's kind of the opposite of that because they're, they're guided and controlled by external things. Every, everything is external. They don't believe that they have complete control to command the powers of the universe. They believe that there's an external force called God that controls all that, and they're at the will of this being called God. So and when we're talking about faith-based religious systems, it's the complete opposite of that, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. Because there is no Allah, there is no Jehovah, there is no Yahweh, there is none of these self-made or self-proclaimed titled deities that are controlling every course of your life. Because those concepts, they're at the will and the mercy of something that doesn't exist, which is even more detrimental or more disastrous. So when we say the other term, manipulation of the subconscious mind, uh, which is just a term to basically say, you're able to, it's like when somebody says, uh, I'm psyching myself out. It's just like if you play sports and a football player, before he gets amped up to go out in the field, he can't go out there with a low level of energy and just try to wing it. He's got to psych himself out. I'm, I'm Superman. Nobody can do nothing. I'm going to go out in that field. I'm going to make 10 tackles today. I'm going to score five touchdowns. That's manipulating the subconscious mind. It's just a term to basically explain how one should approach when they're working some of these systems, for a lack of a better word. 
that's mm-hmm. it, you know, building the psyche up. But yeah, there's a lot of things. Yeah, we also got to understand this. I'm gonna leave it on this note. You know, before we move on, I want you're making a lot of key points. We have to also understand this. Perception plays a key in this because everybody is going to perceive certain levels of information based on right. their experiences, and that's key. Right. Right. You know, on their experiences, where they are in their spiritual journey and evolution. So there is no. I mean, you, and, and again, you're, you're you're making a lot of key points. But everybody's going to perceive it differently, and once we mm-hmm. once we under you know we understand there is no right or wrong way, and we're not saying mm-hmm. that what we're talking about is the only exclusive way. You know, this is the whole key of this path, creating your own path. So when one one is deciphering this, and as you're actually doing this, you're actually creating your own path. So whatever resonates with you, you gravitate towards. Whichever whatever doesn't. You just you just don't mess with it. That's 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 mm-hmm. what this is about. But yeah, you bring right. up some excellent excellent points though. Uh, definitely appreciate those comments and input. Um, and, and you know, uh, hopefully that helped other listeners that are listening. All right, brother. So we definitely appreciate your call. Yes, sir, brother. I appreciate you all. Thank you. All right, we appreciate you. Thank you. Peace. All right, uh, peace. Uh, good points. Um, so, so you know, you bring up some valid points, some definite, some things to 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 you know reflect upon. Um, um, but perception is key. Uh, let's see if we got anything else in the chat. I think we'll take a few more. Let's see if we got anything else. Uh, uh, here's some good. Here's a good one here. Uh, no, I think it went through that way. All right. More so, we got comments. Uh, a lot of dialogue between uh, Brother Phil and Don's the sufferer of Ron, and they say he just recently started. Listening, we definitely appreciate you and everybody else tuning in. If you're new and you just just tuned in for the first time, we most definitely appreciate. Uh, and again, want to acknowledge everybody listening on Facebook and Twitter and live streaming. We definitely appreciate you too. A uh, real quick, while we do have everybody here, before I forget, uh, we all we will be doing a uh, uh, we are having two events this this upcoming weekend. Not this weekend now, next weekend, the weekend of the 18th and the 19th. I just want to make that announcement while we still got most mostly everybody here. Uh, on on Saturday, uh, I'm sorry, Friday, November 18th, uh, we will be doing a uh, egoon and drumming ritual for the ancestors. Uh, we will have actually somebody receiving an ogoon product at, at this uh, ritual too. Um, anybody that's interested in attending this event, um, again, you can contact us at the email address that we will give at the end of the show. Uh, so we can kind of go over to you what takes place at this event to make sure this is something you want to participate in uh, because you will see some of the shit that we're talking about uh, on the show for the last year and some change. Uh, Basically, the event will be drawing down energy and spirits, and you'll see the system that we utilize to do it. Uh, There's intense drumming involved in it, Um, and again, it's a participation ritual. It's not an observation ritual. So, no, we are not going to let you attend if you just want to watch. That's not what it's for. Uh, we, will, we will explain briefly to you if you are interested what it is, um, just so we can be clear. Uh, and then if that's your choice, you feel like you're ready to attend that particular gathering, then feel free. Uh, that will be on Friday, November 18th. Then um, the following night on Saturday, the very next night, November 19th, we will be doing a class, myself and Brother Ravana Noon, and we will be talking and getting into the origin of the left-hand path in ancient Egypt. We'll be getting into a lot of different techniques 
uh, uh, on that. And again, there's no charge for any of these events. We don't charge to do any of this shit. Uh, you just need to find your way there. Um, what we do ask is uh, the class that Sophia's Garden of Miami, in Miami Gardens, we do ask support, you know, buy, buy something there, you know, support the vendors. Uh, you know, we'll be out there with books, you know, support us. So, you know, that's the only thing we ask. Just just, just support on some level, but there is no charge. We don't ask for any money to get into these events. Um, just support whatever they got going on. Uh, that's the way you can show, you know, your support for these events. So that's going to be, again, next weekend, November 18th, November 19th. Uh, we're already getting a lot of emails and responses. We hope to see, some, you know, as many people uh, get out there to this event that they can. Uh, and, and we want to meet some of the people that we've been, you know, talking to on the show for the last year and a half. Uh, we definitely want to see some of you out there. We have some fun, man. You know, sometimes we, you know, after the class, we just, we just, we, you know, we kick it and we, we have fun with it. And you, you get a chance to kind of know us on a different level. We're some ass clowns. I know you know we ask clowns on the show, but you ain't seen ass clowns. So you really, really, really hang out with us and chill with us. Um, so we just want to throw that out there while we still got everybody out there. I will get an email now just in case some people leave. The email, if you want information on the, on the upcoming events for next week, is khnum19 at gmail.com. The deity canoe, khnum19 at gmail.com. If you want information, uh, we do have a flyer. We can, we can email you over the flyer. It's got all the information on it, the address, location, the contact number for uh, Sophia's Garden, if you need contact them about anything, all that information is on the flyer. So if you are interested in coming to that event, just hit us up at that email, uh, khnum19, canum19 at gmail.com, and we will be more than happy to forward that information. All right, let's go back to the phone. We're just going to try to maybe take a couple more calls, and I'm going to be honest with you, uh, it's been a long day today. Uh, probably going to try to wrap this up just a little bit early. Yeah, because we got, yeah, yeah, we got some stuff to do, so. Let's uh, try to wrap this up. Let's see if we can plug in. Uh, we got Texas. You're on the call. Anybody there from Texas? Anybody there? Texas? I think, I think we got some serious problem with the phone. All right. Nobody there from Texas. Let me see if I can plug in. Uh, go back to Lady Mystic. Are you there, Lady Mystic? Can you hear us? We definitely got something going on. Yeah, I think it's a wrap, brother. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try one last one here. Let's just let's go let's go local here. Let's see if we can plug in. Anybody there from Florida? We got Florida on the call. Anybody there from Florida? Florida. Florida never. Yeah. Looks like yeah. This is something wrong. I can't I can't get anybody plugged in on this board. Anyway, I think, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Uh, again, only we're just going to cut it a little bit short tonight because we got some shit to do uh, so we don't want to stay on too late. I think we went over a lot of information. We covered a lot of topics this evening. Uh, again, uh, Ravana Noon is more than happy to email you a copy of those five keys. Uh, he'll personally send you a, a video of him and his Sith garb no. uh, reading, reading the five keys to you. Um, but, uh, Ron, I mean, if you want to go ahead and give your contact information, if they are interested in getting that, uh, give them how they can get at you, uh, give them your, your contact and the email address if they do want a copy of those five keys. Sure. Um, if you want a regular copy, then you reach out to 
Ravana, R-A-V as in Victor, A-N as in Nancy, A-N as in Nancy, U-N, uh, Outlook.com. Once again, that's Ravana Noon, R-A-V-A-N-A-N-U-N, at Outlook.com. If you want an autographed copy, you must send a video of you twerking. Only females get an autographed copy of you twerking. Then you reach out to Ravana Noon at Outlook.com and then put subject note twerking, and you'll get a special copy of the Sith Sorcery just for you. It- It'll be autographed with his. It'll be autographed with his lightsaber. That's right, brother. If not, <clears throat> then uh, you could also reach me on my Google Plus or uh, Gmail. Uh, look for Dark Occultist ninety nine, which is the same name on YouTube, and there's videos out there. And I'll be doing another video this week um, discussing this topic a little further. So, Dark Occultist ninety nine. All right, peace. And let's also throw this out there for uh, we we didn't do this the last couple of weeks. We are also doing uh, we have partnered up with our good brother Sharif, who has been on this show. He's got a show on Blog Talk on Thor Radio Network, and uh, for the most part, uh, we're not sure if it's going to be every week. Uh, it's been every week right now, every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. It's called the God and Goddesses Show. Uh, so I just want to let the listeners know about that. Me and Ravana Noon are doing that show on there on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock. It's a two-hour show. Uh, we keep it strictly in that two-hour format because it's too time-consuming. Uh, you know, we've been offered to do other shows, but we, we just can't do this shit three, four nights a week. It's just too much. Um, but that show comes on Thor Radio Network on Blog Talk, uh, Thor Radio uh, Network. Brother Sharif, who we've had on this show, and we're going to get him back on this show soon. As you know, Brother Sharif, a.k.a. the money man, who uh, his specialty is economics. Uh, the format of this show is a little different from what we do here. We kind of uh, uh, combine spirituality, economics with the occult thing. Uh, we deal with a lot of current issues. Um, last night we were talking about the election. So it's a little bit of a different format. You're going to see kind of a different side of what we do. It's not, I just want to be clear with the listeners. It's not quite what we do here. And when we did come up with the show and Sharif had approached us of uh, partnering up and networking with him, uh, we wanted to make sure the format was different. We didn't want to do the same thing that we were doing here. Uh, but we more or less, again, we, you'll see it's a different level. We, we kind of incorporate economics, current events, uh, um, with spirituality, and some, some, some of the occult magic mixed in there, uh, basically showing you how it's all incorporated. Uh, it's kind of a unique concept, a unique show. It's different, um, and that's what we wanted it to be. So that is another show we are doing. It's, we only in the, we've only done it for two weeks, uh, so it's, only, it's, it's brand new. We've been getting some feedback on that, We're, and actually some listeners from there have now made their way over here, and that's the objective. We kind of want to network these things together um, because we feel the economics is a key part, you understand, um, in, in being successful in this. Unfortunately, the, the economics is not really talked about enough. Uh, so, again, if you're interested in that, that is uh, Wednesday night. Um, you can email. We can put you on that list. Or you can just simply on Wednesday nights go, go on the Blog Talk Radio. Just type in Thor Radio. It'll come right up. Uh, and the show is called The Gods and Goddess Show. Um, and they do have archives on there. I see Guest 15. I just typed that in. Yes, you can go on to Thor Radio. 
and archive the, uh, the first two shows that we did. It is on there. I also have them archived on my Google Plus page, uh, so you can actually pull them up there. And, and having said that, I'll give you my contact information now. Uh, again, the email address, again, khnum19 at gmail.com. That's for anything, the events, anything we talk about here on the show. Um, you can go to my uh, YouTube page, Mother Nubia Inc. Uh, there's a multitude of videos up there. And the Google Plus page has all of our radio shows here archived, plus uh, the new show that we're doing on Thor Radio Network on Wednesday nights. You can definitely access all of that on that page. You can go to our Facebook page, too, Awakening Universal Minds. Questions, comments, uh, if you have any suggestions for future shows, a topic you want us to do in the future that we may not have touched on yet, you can definitely drop us a line there, and we will most definitely um, consider it. Um, I think that's pretty much about it. Uh, uh, so we'll either see everybody uh, possibly Wednesday night if you're going to pop into the new show on Wednesday nights uh, on Blog Talk. We'll see some of you there because uh, we were really getting crossover from both shows. If not, we will see the regular listeners back here next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I think next week's show we're going to do uh, how to have sexual contact with midget twerkers. That's going to be the next week's show. Yeah. And uh, we're going to break down that side. <laughs> Yo, shout out. I got to give a shout out to uh, <laughs> D. Sundry, who just came into the room, a.k.a. Schmiggy Balls. <laughs> Schmiggy Balls. That was, a, that was a joke from last week. Uh, uh, I know you came in a little bit late. I uh, wish you would have came here earlier. We'd have had a little more fun with that. Um, but that's what's going on. We appreciate everybody. And hopefully next weekend, uh, hopefully we get to see some of you people here on the radio show out at the event. And, oh, that was your roommate. Okay. Uh, hopefully next week we could uh, meet some, some of the people out at the event. We're looking forward to uh, uh, seeing some of you guys out there. Peace. Appreciate everybody tuning in, and we will see you. Next uh, Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.